0: Welcome to Amazing Soul. Your host, Angela Zabel, and her team and the non-physical realm are here to help you with the challenges you have been facing in your life. Now, please welcome Angela Zabel. Welcome to
1: Amazing Soul on Voice America's Empowerment Channel. I am happy to have you on tonight. And tonight, for those of you who don't know, my name is Angela Zabel. I am a teacher, coach, and a medium. I am on Facebook, Instagram, TikTok. I have a YouTube channel. I write for Edge Magazine and also host Edge Talk Radio. I also do um, small... Private sessions on Zoom, and you can do that online. So check out my information there. And then also tonight we are going to have on Rick and Beth Olson. So we are going to be talking with them. And the the questions we kind of had with for them are how you can heal from a loss of a child, and what does that that healing journey look like? Also, the communication that's bridged with those that have lost that you have lost, and how shamanism has helped them through their healing journey. So tonight, Rick and Beth Olson in 1999, Beth and Rick experience a tragedy that no parent should ever have to go through, the loss of two children, Jessica and Joshua in a car accident caused by a drunk driver. The immediate aftermath of such a monumental loss, a lot of times can be numbing and it's filled with, there was filled with police and family, friends and media, but it wasn't very long before Rick and Beth began receiving messages from their children, assuring them they weren't actually gone and ultimately proving the existence of life after death. Now, 23 years later, Beth and Rick share what they learned during their journey in order to help those who have experienced similar tragedy. Once again, living in a house filled with laughter. (laughs) So the Olsons prove that it is not only possible to survive such a devastating blow, but eventually to thrive and they he has gone into also doing shamanism. They do readings, they have classes, and they do actually the medicine wheel classes, journeying to the upper world, journey of, for your power animal, shamanic group healing, individual healing sessions, and they're also the authors of We Never Left You that you can find on Amazon and wherever books are sold, and they speak at Grief, uh, grief counseling groups, and with other parents. So, a full disclosure: I am going to say I have worked with both Rick and and Beth personally. So I have experienced some of their classes, which I have to say I highly recommend to those of you listening, and also had them as teachers as part of the retreat I have held. So Rick has also personally helped with his skills and his shamanism skills as we had some uh, interesting experiences with energies uh, where I personally live. So and definitely check out their book as I have recommended it to others that have lost children, and I feel it has helped them greatly. So, Rick and Beth, I've got to say, I want to welcome you for being here, and I'd love for you to tell your story with your words.
2: <laughs> well, thank you, Angel, for having us. Yeah, thank you very
3: much. Um, what we're going to do is kind of go through our story about the first year, uh, or parts of the first year, and about um, what we went through and the communications we had and received. And so, we'll just kind of jump right into that. Mm-hmm. Um so our story starts you know, back, as we said, in July of 1999. We had moved to uh, a new town. we had only lived there for about a month. And I had, was in the process of taking over an insurance agency at that time. I'd been doing a lot of traveling the week before, and I had come home. And Beth uh, left for most of the weekend with some friends, and we'll get into that a little bit as far as where she went. So it was a Sunday afternoon, and we decided we were going to head to the mall. Uh, We needed to get a few things before I was going to be gone the next week. And so we drove through town, and we pulled up to a stop-and-go lights. And Bess and I were in our minivan, and our two kids were sitting in the back. And as we're sitting at the stop-and-go lights, we see in front of us a squad car coming from the other direction with its lights on. And so it came to the lights and turned and headed down the street. And the light turned green and the cars pulled out and I waited a second um, just to make sure everything was clear. I pulled out into the intersection and the next thing I remember is somebody telling me, don't move, you've been in an accident, we don't know how bad you're hurt, I'm holding your head so in case there's any injuries.
2: So as I was watching this whole process of the car, the squad car going and turning to to the other direction, I'm watching Rick and thinking, yes, this is great that we're watching in case anything else is happening. Is there another squad car coming? And as he proceeds to go into the intersection, we're driving and all of a sudden I just hear a loud noise, extremely loud noise. It spun us. And so I turned around to say to the children, what was that noise? And that's when I realized that as I turned, Joshua was dead. Um, His neck was broken and Jessica was hanging half outside the window. Um, I could hear Rick moaning and I was like, what? Again, now I'm in shock. I'm like, what the hell just happened? Um, And so I looked at my body to see if I was hurt, if I was injured at all. And I had nothing wrong with me literally nothing. So I was, I jumped out of the car and now I'm in, basically, I think fight or flight response. I'm like, I got to help my family. This, this is my worst nightmare now coming true as I'm trying to figure out what to do next. So I start thinking out loud or just what am I supposed to do? So I need a doctor basically. And so I, I said that out loud. I'm like, I need a doctor. And this person comes up to me and he puts his hand on his, on my shoulder. And he's like, I'm a doctor and so is my wife, and we were in, we were in the intersection watching. We were at this red light, and we saw what happened. What can I do to help? And I said, Well, can you get my daughter out of the car? Can you save my daughter? And, um, you know, so I, they started to do that. They tried to get him out, get her out, and I was like, Now I'm just numb. I'm just literally just didn't even know what to do. It was stupid. It was horrible. So I start walking around the car trying to figure out what is my next plan? What can I do? What can I help? I see that now there's an officer taking care of Rick and I see he's alive. So that is hope. You know, that is always wonderful. Um, My son Joshua, I just kept going back to him and I kept apologizing to him. I just kept loving him. Um, Yeah. Worst nightmare coming true. So then I walked back over by Jessica. I heard them talk about how She's, her brain matter was outside her head. Um, So I'm not stupid. I know that's bad. So then I start thinking I need flight for life. I got to get my Jessica to the hospital. They're going to still save her. Um, But they brought an ambulance and we went into the ambulance and we took her to the hospital. So we were waiting for Rick in the hospital. I was praying to God, just begging God to save my daughter.
3: And so I was the last one to leave the accident site. Um, they waited till they had Beth and, and Jessica in the ambulance, and they, they were able to get me out of the vehicle. I wasn't injured that bad, but they were making sure in case I had some injuries they didn't know about. And so they got me in the ambulance, and they said, well, where do you want to go? And I said, well, what do you mean where do I want to go? I want to go where my wife and daughter went. <laughs> and so... They took me to the hospital and they figured out I wasn't that badly injured. So they had us had me in one of the emergency rooms where there were curtains around, and I'm laying there. And all of a sudden, in the, in the room next to me, I hear, um, "Let me go! Why am I here? I didn't do anything wrong. I don't know what's going on. Let me be. Let me let me get out of here." And unbeknownst to everybody in the hospital, the drunk driver that had run through the red light at 80 miles an hour and had become airborne and broadsided our minivan was in the room next to me in the hospital, in the the emergency room. And so in a little bit, a doctor came in and he said, well, I'm sorry for your loss. And I said, I know Josh didn't make it. And he swore and walked out and then Beth came in. Yeah,
2: He didn't realize he was the doctor that was helping me with Jessica. So he was there to apologize to Rick that Jessica didn't make it. He didn't realize we lost his son in the, at the scene. Joshua was still in the car when we had left. Um, they said they had to, of course, take pictures. Um, so that's why that doctor had, you know, kind of a, a it was like son of a bitch because couldn't believe we lost two kids in a matter of moments. So I said to Rick, we have to let Jessica go. She's not gonna make it. So we had to say goodbye to our gorgeous daughter and um, and start trying to figure out life.
3: So in a matter of moments, we went from the, you know, typical American family, two kids, dogs, you know, new job, new house, and to having no children. Um, I was able to leave the hospital that night and Beth and I went home. And then the next morning, uh, you know, we were able to go to sleep eventually. And the next morning we woke up and Beth said, I can't go on. I said, well, can you make it through the day? And she said, no, I said, I
2: didn't want to, I can't live forever. Right. I can't do this. <laughs> I mean, I'm like, I want to die.
3: Yeah. And I said, well, can you make it through the next hour? And she said, no. said, can you make it through the next five minutes? And she said, no. I said, okay, well, let's just breathe. So we just laid there for a while and just breathed.
2: And hugged each other.
3: And then all of a sudden, Beth said, I got to go to the bathroom. So (laughs) life has a way of forcing you to move on. Um, And so that, that accident happened on a Sunday. And we were numb and going through everything that started to take place. There was a, a media was becoming really involved in this because it was in a town that was a very large town was near Madison, Wisconsin. And um, it was a drunk driver and two kids killed. And so it was a big deal. And the media was beginning to ramp up their exposure to that. Mm-hmm. Um, we had decided that we were gonna have the funeral uh, back in the town that we had the kids were born in and that we had grown up in, and, and so. And
2: we just moved a month earlier. Right. So it was made sense to go back there and have the funeral. Right.
3: And so on Wednesday, yeah. we were back in the town and we went to the funeral, um, funeral, funeral pile, yeah. funeral home. Uh, because we had to make arrangements for the kids and so we walked into there and the place was dark Uh, there wasn't a lot of lights on there was nobody there and we're like hello hello finally somebody comes walking up and they she says can I help you I says well we're the Olson's you know Jim is working on our kids and she says, okay let me go get him and so we're just standing there in the mood in the in the in the funeral parlor kind of reflected ourselves you know very dim very dark you know nothing going on and so Jim comes walking up and he's got this big smile on his face and I'm thinking you're an idiot because <laughs> he's got a smile on his face and he says to me or he says to us he says that Josh he keeps turning my lights on and off and changing my radio station can you tell him to knock it off
2: I'm like I'm not
3: getting any work done yeah and we're like what he says, Josh, he's he's turning my lights on and off and changing our radio stations. He said, I can't get anything, any work done. And we we're just dumbfounded by that because now all of a sudden we have somebody that is giving us an inkling that our kids aren't just gone. They might be someplace else. And this was the beginning of us to understand about the concept of life after death and that things live on and everything else. This was the start of our journey. And this gave us a little bit of hope at that point.
2: Other kids weren't really gone. I, back in 1999, I was 34, he was 36. We hadn't even thought about life after death. And so he we always talk about this day, to this day that um, Jim introduced us to our children as spirit. Right. And kind of just opened that up. So it made us have a little bit of hope. Right. So then on Thursday, we went, um, I have a friend, a medium in West Bend, and I had called her. um, The funeral was going to be Thursday afternoon. So I asked her if she could see us before the funeral. And she said, of course, of course. So uh, we went to her house. We sat for a good hour. We just talked about a lot of things. And then we were about ready to leave. And as we stood up, she said, wait, wait, the kids are here. Your kids are here. And so we sat back down, like we're not leaving. And then she kept looking up to like the upper left side of the room. And she was just like listening to something. And she's like, wait, no, well, Joshua isn't here. She said, Joshua is at great America, six flags, great America. And, and she says, there's no lines in the spirit world. So I was like, oh, that's where Josh would be, you know? And then she's like. Yeah, Jessica's here. And then she's like, Jessica like fried chicken. And I'm like, um, no, I've never made fried chicken. And so she's like, she looked, at, listened to again. And she's like, well, she's saying she wants the chicken in the basket. So I, I was really confused. We both were confused. And so then we now have to go back to, to the beginning part of the story. When Rick was gone that weekend and I, well, he came home and I left for the weekend. I went shopping with friends and we were at an American Girl sale and it was so discounted. I was buying tons of things for Jessica. I was buying things for my nieces and um, it was a great weekend. I had a great time with my friends. So that after I got home, I was bringing in all these items and Josh was helping me. Jessica was closing her eyes. She didn't wanna know because her birthday was coming up and Christmas was coming up. So she was just, um, she was just hiding. She's not looking. And then, um, so Josh is helping me. And then we were going to, um, you know, all and I got to a certain item. And I said to Josh, I am, This I bought this. It's called A Little Chicken in the Basket. I bought it for your niece, Amanda, or your cousin, Amanda, my niece, Amanda. I said, but it goes with Jessica's favorite doll. Do you think Jessica would like this chicken in the basket? And Josh said, I think she would. I put that chicken in the basket in Jessica's pile, and we left for the mall. That's where we were going Mm -hmm. that day, right before the accident. So then
1: all this... I love how they come through to give you that specific information. And then that was one of the big things is for them to communicate with you, to let you know they're not gone. They're not, they're just, they're different and and they're still having fun. I love the no lines in the spirit world. (laughs) That is awesome. (laughs) I think that's something that for a lot of us, we don't think of what are they doing over there and what kind of fun are they doing? So I think a lot of times we get stuck on that. You know, you you get into the grief, of course, people pass and you're in that grief and you forget like, hey, they're, they're still having some fun over there. And what are they doing? I love that they let you know exactly what they were doing. I think that's so cool. It was so, cool.
2: And I always, it, it's always interesting to me when people say rest in peace, you know, when somebody passes, rest in peace. I'm like, my kids aren't resting.
1: It's a lot <laughs> for them to do. Right. Exactly. And that's the thing. It's like they're doing stuff. They they I always look at they're the same as we are. The only difference is they just don't have bodies right now. But other than that, they're doing everything we would have done anyhow. And and they're having fun. They're they're exploring, they're learning, they're doing all kinds of things. It's just they just don't have a body, but other than that, they're the same. And that's something I hope everybody comes back. We're going to be going to break soon. And I just want to remind everybody, we've been talking to Rick and Beth Olson, and we're talking about the journey of healing, grief, coming out the other side, and learning how to thrive and communicate with those on the other side, and learning what shamanism has to do with it. And that's what we're going to be touching on as we continue after the break shortly. So I hope you'll come back and join us then. And with that, see you soon.
0: Play Finding Your Frequency podcast.
3: If that doesn't work, try adding on TuneIn or on iHeartRadio or on Apple Podcasts.
0: Unravel the mysteries of metaphysics every week on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. Join host Barb Crowley as she and her insightful guest share what's been learned behind the veil, going just beyond our five senses. Now you can see things with an entirely different point of view. Tune in for Metaphysics, a view through the veil, broadcasting live every Friday at 1 p.m. Pacific Time and 4 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. Use it to explore your advantage and deeper understanding.
3: On read my lips radio producer and host aka radio red invites you to eavesdrop on her live unscripted conversations with smart savvy creative people as she discovers what makes them tick where they find their inspiration when creativity first became their passion and how their creative process can inspire the rest of us to think out of the box enjoy aka radio red's always lively cool conversations with creatives Mondays at 4 p.m. Pacific Time, 7 p.m. Eastern on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. Oh, how those lips can talk.
1: It's your world. Motivate. Change. Succeed.
0: VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com Welcome back to Amazing Soul, Have a question for Angela, her team, or her guests? Join us on the show at 888-346-9141. That's 888-346-9141. Now back to Angela.
1: Welcome back, everyone, to Amazing Soul, and we are talking to Rick and Beth Olson with We Never Left You, and they are going to be talking, they're going to continue their story, they started talking about how they got on this journey, and their journey of losing both children to a drunk driver, and their journey of healing and understanding that there is life after death and how they communicated with them, and with that, I'm going to pull it back to Beth and Rick as they're going to continue their story on Jessica and how she was communicating with her. Thank
2: you, thank you. Well yeah, let me finish this story. So, when I like I mentioned before is I was shopping that weekend and, you know, picked up this really cute little chicken in the basket and it Josh said Jessica would like this chicken in the basket. And so it did go in Jessica's pile. And within an hour later they were they had passed. So, Go, going back to Kathy's house. So once I figured out what she was talking about, first we were like, is it chicken and a biscuit crackers? We couldn't at first remember. There a lot had happened from Sunday to Thursday. And then I'm like, I'm like, oh my gosh, it's this incredible story, this little cute little chicken in the basket. And we were bawling. We were, ah, oh, as I was telling them the story, it was just ultimate proof that they were alive. They weren't really gone. It wasn't, she wanted her doll. She wanted a chicken in a basket. How much more clear can you be? So we were pretty thrilled. So we got up to leave.
3: And uh, as we were getting ready to leave, uh, Kathy said, oh, well, the kids have one more surprise for you out in the car. And so, you know, we were excited. We went out to the car and we jumped in our vehicle. We're just kind of sitting there looking around and nothing's happening. And So we just kind of sighed and said, okay, well, I guess we'll go. So we start the car and uh, there was a song that came on the radio. And at the time the kids passed, their favorite movie was Tarzan. It was the Disney animated version. And one of the songs uh, from um, from that movie came on. And the name of the song was Two Worlds, One Family. So that was the song that came on the radio. So... Um, From there, we actually finally got something to eat. We hadn't really eaten much in days. And then we ended up going to the funeral home because the funeral was that day. And so as we had talked about it and decided that this, you know, chicken in the basket story was going to be for us, it was a present for us from the kids. But as we walked into the funeral home, we saw our families there and they're just devastated. And so we decided that we would share the story with them. And as we did, there's this, you know, little smile, small chuckle, and you could tell that their spirits were raised a little bit. And so...
2: It gave them a little
3: hope. Yeah, it did. It gave them hope. They weren't really
2: dead. I think we were introducing into the idea that our children weren't going to be in the ground. Right.
1: I've got to say, that's a a big thing for you to bring that up at a funeral. I mean, a lot of times people kind of look at it a little different and for you to bring that up and let everyone know there, I think that was such a big gift for everyone there. I think it was probably part of your, both of your paths to where you're at now just probably didn't notice it at the time.
3: No, <laughs> No, not yet. Yeah. And so, you know, the funeral went on and then we began to try and put our life together after the funeral and we, tried to go through a number of different normal channels for counseling or counselors, and none of them were working. You know, one of them said, well, I can, I can sympathize with your loss because I had a divorce. Another one said, well, you know, I can help you get rid of your anger by screaming into a pillow. And so every time we would have to start over again. And and finally we just kind of gave up on that. And uh, then another friend of ours suggested, well, you should, Try this weekend seminar. He said I've started to work with this individual. He's a he does shamanic uh, shamanic work and shamanic healing techniques. And um, you should go out and try this weekend. And we said, well, why not? Nothing else seems to work. So we went out there, and it was a it was out in Utah, and it was for a weekend. And the concept for there was that you were supposed to be working with each with different people in the group. Um, working on some of the, the techniques, the healing techniques and doing your own personal healing. So early on in the in the weekend, I went up to him and explained to him what happened to us. And um, we said, well, um, you, I, he said, how long ago was that? And, and I said, well, it was in July and this was in November. And he said, well, you're not gonna work with each other. He said, um, you know, I'll work with Beth and you can work with my assistant and he asked if he could demonstrate on Beth some of the techniques. And so we did that. And after he demonstrated with Beth, he mentioned to us that he wanted us to, uh, he wanted to talk to us after the weekend or it was done. And so when the weekend was finished, we began to chat with him and he said, I wanted to let you know that your kids came to me during the healing he said and they're not little kids they are very powerful spirits they were about eight feet tall they're very old very powerful um, and he looked at me and he said you were knocked unconscious during the accident and I said yes but we hadn't told him that he said well the reason why you were unconscious is that you helped the kids to cross over you've been a shaman in many lives before this and the kid says you need to learn to be a shaman again um, and then He invited us down to go with him to Peru um, for a trip he was taking at the turn of the century. And this was, you know, Y2K for those of you that remember that. And the world was supposed to end because the computers were going to crash. And we thought, what better place to be than, you know, in a third world country where they don't really care about computers, anyways. And so we (laughs) went with him. We were down there. Um, And so I jumped ahead just you slightly. So that's an
2: important part of our story. <laughs> so so go we're ahead. gonna go back a little bit. So um the accident happened July 18th. Um and you know, I'm a I'm a female. So I had my cycle shortly thereafter. And um after the having my cycle, I said to Rick, I grabbed the birth control pills and I said to Rick, Am I supposed to take these? I said, there is no control in this world. Why are we trying to control this world with birth control pills? Right. I said, I want to throw them out. And he's like, no, we really, you need, we need to heal for a while. You you should take the birth control pills. I'm like, okay, I will, but I'm never effing going to heal. Sorry for my language, but I swore a lot back then. Um, (laughs) But, um, so I took the birth control pills for about a week and then, um, I woke up one morning and I said, I have a dream. I had a dream. And Rick said, he had a dream. I said, well, I'm looking at him like, you never dream. You never remember your dreams. He's like, well, I remember this one. We both had gotten the same message. You have to get the, get the chemical out of your body. Get the chemical out of your body. They called birth control chemical. So I was like, I threw the birth control away you know, we then uh, jumped in the car probably about a couple days later and we went to Colorado to take some time and to stop the world. The funeral director had a place in Colorado and he offered it to us. So we went to Colorado for a month. And now this is the beginning of October, August, excuse me, beginning of August. And by the end of August, I was driving down the mountain because it was a beautiful mountain spot, getting the birth control test or excuse me, getting a pregnancy test. And I was pregnant by the end of August. Wow. So, it, <laughs> I know. And, you know, and we always talk about it now. It's like, I believe, well, his name is who his name is Gabriel, who was born, um, but he saved me. He he truly saved me. I, I was very close to um, wanting to kill myself, but I always felt like, well, I knew where Rick was and I knew where my kids were. And I'm like, okay, if, if I kill myself, where am I going to be? And then also, I would be no better than David, the the gentleman who killed our children, right? I'd be killing my child. So I think Spirit knew me very well and thought, oh, she she's going to have to have another baby very quickly. So, so was, yeah, that was a part of her her journey right. as well. This right. happiness, some hope too. Yeah, we were given I, hope.
1: I think that's something that uh, at at a time like that, a lot of people don't feel there is hope anywhere. And for you to get that hope to help you keep going, because honestly, even for what both of you do now, talking about, you know, going through and, and talking about your experience, it's not the easiest thing to do. And for you to put yourself out there in a public aspect has got to be I, I give you a lot of credit because it's almost like you relive a lot of it over again each time you talk. So i th- I thank you for sharing your story with so many people.
3: Well, thank you. we've We have done this a number of times, and we've come to realize that you know we're this is what we're supposed to do, and this kind of is a good tie-in back into the story because, as we were in Colorado and then as we began to move on from there, and we had just talked about being in Utah and getting ready to go to Peru, I was beginning to think back on the accident and everything that was there. And I began to tell Beth, you know, I think this was supposed to happen.
2: I was so mad. at him. I was like, you are crazy. I was so mad. I'm like, don't you accept this yet? I'm still making a deal with God that they're going to come back to life, you know?
3: And, but, when you start to look back at the accident, there was too many things that all lined up together to to take place. You know, as we were leaving, Beth had a spot on her shirt and she wasn't sure if we should if she should stop or stop us so we could go back so she could change. I really her shirt. wanted to
2: go back, but then I had that little chatter in your head that was like, No, he wants to go to the mall. We're getting a cage for the dogs or a fence for the dogs. Let's go. Just forget the spot. Doesn't matter.
3: When you know, we pulled up to the intersection and that squad car that turned and went the other direction. He actually saw the drunk driver go past him and he saw the accident happen in his rearview mirror. So he was right there to witness it and was able to call things in right away. The gentleman that was in our vehicle holding my neck was an off-duty police officer that just happened to be in the intersection when the accident happened. There was the husband and wife doctor that were in a car on the opposite side of the intersection from us that was there in order to begin to work with Jessica. Um, There was already ambulances en route that they redirected to us. Flight for Life was in the air, they redirected it to us. And when we start to think about, you know, we, we began to understand why I was knocked unconscious, but then we began to put the pieces together that Beth had to be conscious. She had to be awake so that she could see that everything she thought she needed or wanted was made available at the accident site. So there was no doubt in her mind as time went on that there wasn't anything else that could have been done to help save the kids.
2: Right. And I wanted to make sure I would have, I was so happy to know they weren't crying out or in pain. And if I was knocked out, I wouldn't have been able to, to be there for them. And I think that would have haunted me for my entire life. That somebody's not telling me something, right. somebody is hiding something from me because they needed me. Right. So, and to this day, I still know I was encased. An angel was wrapped around me. I still can feel it. Um, because I didn't move. I should have been bonked on the window. Um, the accident reconstructionists did say we should have both died as well. All, you know, all four of us should have died in the car.
3: And so we began to talk about this. And as we move forward now, we journeyed down to Peru. We were able to go to you know, many sacred sites in Peru and do ceremony with the local shamans. and. One of the ceremonies that we did was we were on the Nazca lines in the middle of the night and there is a, uh, one of the the glyphs, the petroglyphs that's there is a spiral where you walk the spiral inwards and you get to the center and it turns and you walk back out mimicking the spiral. And the concept for the ceremony is as you walk in, you leave behind your past and all of the Traumas and injuries, and then as you make the turn in the center and walk outwards, you begin to step forward into your destiny. Well, I went through that circle, and when I came out, my hair had turned white. It went from blonde when I walked in, and when I came out, it was white.
2: Yeah, we're all
1: kind of laughing at him. We're like, "That is the strangest <laughs> thing. What the heck?" Of course, Beth, you'd be laughing at him. What is he?
2: like that but you know at this point I was like thinking anything can happen in our lives so many different things were going on and introduced to so many things
1: so was was that also a point when your hair turned colors literally in front of you was that also a point when you started realizing there's a little more to the shamanism than maybe what you originally anticipated or was that something how did you feel about that
3: well, it was unusual. Um, we were interested in the sh- in the shamanism stuff, and this was our, our exposure to people that understood spirituality and were talking about it. And there's an experience that we'll get to in a little bit that really solidified that we're supposed to be in shamanism. We're supposed to be this way. And I'll share one other quick story about Maybe. when we were down there is that... Um, the person that was, Alberto was his name, the person that was leading this expedition down there told Beth that you have to begin to find beauty. This is my homework. Yeah. I'm like, I'm paying
2: you for a class when I get homework, Beth. <laughs> and so, yeah, he says, you have to find beauty. And I'm like, I'm never going to find beauty ever again. Right. I'm in devastation here.
3: And so one of the places we visited when we were down in Peru was a nature reserve, but the nature reserve was an island in the ocean and it was set up for... Um, penguins and seals and sea lions and birds and walruses. Mm-hmm. And so we were on a boat on a, in, in the ocean with the waves and this bright blue sun sky, shining sky. And we're watching all this wildlife. And Beth just says all of a sudden, oh, this is so beautiful. I, <laughs> I <laughs> looked at her.
2: <laughs> she was right. to <laughs> find <my> beauty again. <laughs> Determined not to.
3: So, yeah. so we had many amazing experiences in that trip and then came back to real life in January. So
1: I think that would be pretty hard. I mean, a difficult transition going from Kind of removing yourself from all of the emotion, everything you, you've you been going through, giving you almost a reprieve as you kind of experience these new, the whole new way of life and new things, and then having to come back kind of to reality again. I'm sure that had to have been a very hard transition. And then as you went through that, what was your, like, your state of mind as you kind of came back and had to actually face reality again. Was that something where, I think at that time you were pregnant again, weren't you, Beth?
2: I was pretty pregnant, yes. And yeah. we had the sentencing for the, you know this gentleman. And so we had to go there and um, and take care of it in the end of January. So I hid my pregnancy because I didn't want, I wanted the biggest sentencing they would give him. Um, he could have had 80 years. Um, but I didn't want them to have any thought of like, oh, look, at she's pregnant. She's getting out of her life. It's not like you can replace a child with a child, you know, so it helps, but, um, so that's why we hit it. And then he was sentenced, um, to 20
1: years, 20 years.
2: So, um, it was, a, it was a very stiff sentencing for at that time.
1: I'm I'm sure that had to be hard to. Did you actually sit in and listen on the on the proceedings and on the court hearings? Oh yeah, oh, yeah, yeah.
3: yeah we were there.
2: They were trying to get him, you know, to be able to just um, not even serve any time. That he should talk to people who are alcoholics about what not to do. <laughs> and we're like, oh no, oh no. <laughs> so. Well,
1: I I commend you because I know that's got to be something that's definitely not the easiest thing to do and to. Kind of go through it. It's almost like reliving it again and understanding what happened, and probably finding out information that you might not have known completely on everything that happened. It's not the easiest thing to do, and as you went through that, I just, I just am still in awe of both of you for going through that and kind of putting your life back together, finding the beauty. Because I know with. You know, to find beauty in something when it feels so tragic. I, that's one thing I just want to touch on just briefly before we go to break, is a lot of times people feel almost bad for finding something good in what happened in, in a death and the passing of someone. And do you think that's something that is also part of what plays on us with having to almost make an excuse why you're happy or why something feels beautiful again?
2: Most definitely. There's a lot of guilt to having happiness. I mean, I used to cry if I wasn't thinking about them 24 seven, or if we watched a movie, mm-hmm. it, it then to get back into reality of, Oh my God, they are dead. But And I took my mind off of them for that little bit of time. It, it, it There's a lot of guilt for that. It's like, how can I be okay? How can I start living? How? Yeah.
1: And I, I think that's something a lot of people need to kind of give themselves a little bit of a break on, especially when you're losing right. you're losing children, you're losing someone close to you, to give yourself a break and and it's okay to be happy. It's okay. It's not like you're not forgetting about them. It's just that you're changing the dynamic of the relationship and to give give yourself a little reprieve on that and feel happiness again because honestly i feel that's something that holds a lot of people back when they're in grief and i'm like i said i'm so appreciative of both of you coming on to talk about your journey and with that, I just want to remind people that we are going to be going deeper into their into their journey and talking about what they're offering now, talking about the shamanism, how everything moves forward, and how things can help you. And with that, I'm looking forward to hearing from you and listening, having you listen
0: right after the break. Follow us on Twitter at VoiceAmericaTRN. Get the lowdown on guests, new shows, and your favorites. That's VoiceAmericaTRN.
1: Have you become a member yet? Sign up now to become a member of Voice America. It's always free and easy. Plus, you get to take advantage of some great member benefits. Get unlimited access to millions of hours of on-demand content across all of our channels. Keep track of your favorite episodes, shows, and hosts in your own customizable library. Find out what shows you might be interested in based on your favorites. Plus, you get insider access with our newsletter. Membership gives you more. Sign up at voiceamerica.com and click register at the top right.
0: On Living Strong, the flip side of adversity, Dr. Veerder Jackson presents stories and powerful guest experts from business, health, relationships, and faith. Every story has its flip side, and we are here to delve into the story and challenge you to view what has kept you in a singular mindset and turn it into the flip side. When you can effectively do that, you'll experience necessary growth. Tune in live every Thursday at 5 p.m. Eastern Time and 2 p.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. You have the power to be stronger, live fearlessly, and enjoy the benefits of a great life. Listen for Fearlessly Authentic with host Jodi Harrison Bauer. Jodi has proven at an age when many start to slow down that she is just getting started. With two grown daughters, a successful business that she started at 50, a finalist in the Sports Illustrated Swimsuit Issue, and a two-time world bikini champion, she's ready to take you to the next level in your life. Fearlessly Authentic airs Thursdays at 4 p.m. Eastern Time, 1 p.m. Pacific Time on Voice America Empowerment. It's your world. Motivate. Change. Succeed. VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com. Welcome back to Amazing Soul. Have a question for Angela, her team, or her guests? Join us on the show at 888-346-9141. That's 888-346-9141. Now back to Angela. Welcome back to the Amazing Soul. And I am Angela, and I'm
1: here with Rick and Beth Olson. And we have been talking about their journey with losing their children, the communication, and the uh, special events that have happened had happened throughout their life to let them know that both Jessica and Joshua have been with them the whole time and they have their own journey to live, which was maybe a little different than they had originally anticipated with their life. So with that, I would love to go back to Rick and Beth Olson. And go ahead, Rick and Beth, let us know what you have going on and what how there was another part of your journey you wanted to go in, get into about the shamanistic journey and how that started.
3: Yeah, so we, after we came back from Peru and had the sentencing, we began to continue with these classes for uh, learning shamanic healing techniques. And this course that we became involved in was uh, eight days. Uh, the course was eight days long, but it happened um, four times over the course of two years. And so we, in February, we went out to be part of the second. Uh, second course. And we were out in California at an Indian um, Indian reserve, and there was a, a bunch of log cabins that were set up there for people to come in and do classes such as this. And so we, because we had missed part of the first one, we were doing some extra work in the evenings with the instructor and the assistant instructor. And we were, it was late at night and we were in this log cabin and uh, it was a large log cabin because that's where the class was held. And I was sensing, trying to sense energies on this person. And all of a sudden I felt this rush of energy come into me and I just pulled back. And the next thing I remember is having Alberto, hearing Alberto tell me, you gotta get up, you gotta move.
2: Mm-hmm. So we both were trying to sense energies. So we were on, there was a gentleman laying on the ground and we're kneeling next to him. And of course we're trying to feel his energy body, right? And as we're doing this, there's a window on the wall. I'm facing the wall and Rick and I are both facing the wall. And I see in the window, a like lightning bolt, just like a flash of lightning. And I thought to myself right away, I'm like, Oh my gosh, we're gonna have a thunderstorm because we're from Wisconsin and it, we had a lot of rain, don't we? (laughs) It's a lot of (laughs) storms. And so that was my first thought. And then I'm like, wait a minute. I'm in California. Um, and it never rains in California. They have this drought, right? So I didn't know what the heck it was. Well, the next thing that happens is there's like a splash of lightning, bright light in the building. And I see Rick, you know, move his hands like this. And he puts his hands onto his lap and he closes his eyes. And I'm just kind of watching this. And then all of a sudden this, this building had this fluorescent, not fluorescent track, track lighting. And there were these gold, they were about that long, gold lights. And there was a whole, probably 10 of them on the ceiling. One just started flashing, just blinking. And then, um, and I'm watching Rick, I'm watching these lights. And then all of a sudden two lights are blinking. And then I see the person who was trying to teach us. She's like, Alberto, Alberto, come over here, come over here. And, you know, I'm clueless, but I wasn't like, I wasn't scared or anything. Rick is now sweating. And I'm like, (laughs) again, so much has gone on in our lives. I just can't explain all the time. Now, like now we've got four track lightings are just blinking, blinking, blinking. And now all of a sudden it's just like just all were going. It was like strobe lighting. I wish to God we had cell phones. We had, we had flip phones back in, you know, the year 2000. We didn't have iPhones. Otherwise I would have been like, you know, filming the whole thing. And I hear Alberto saying, Rick, you were struck by by lightning, you were struck by spiritual lightning. Spirit wanted you. You need to move. He's like, you cannot let that energy stay in your joints in your body. You have to move and get it going. Otherwise, you'll be paralyzed. So Alberto said, "Rick, Rick's a uh, fourth degree, fourth degree in Taekwondo." He said, "Get up and do your basic form." So after probably five minutes or so, ten minutes, he was able to get up and he starts doing his basic forms and starts moving.
3: And so as I'm moving, I'm just feeling these waves of energy come off of me. And I had no idea what had happened at this point. And so after a certain amount of time, I don't know how long it was, I lost track of time. Alberto says, just go outside and ground this energy. And so I did that. And then he talked to us the next day about you know what had happened. And he said, you were struck by spiritual lightning. He said, "There's one that's one of the three ways that traditionally people are called to be shamans is to be struck by lightning he said I've never seen anybody get struck by spiritual lightning before he said they wanted you you need to be a shaman and so we continued on you know with the classes and you know we continued on with our life from there as well because we now understood that this accident with the kids happened to put us in a position to be able to help other people and so we've continued with the shamanic work we you know, as you mentioned early on, we speak with people at, at individually or at, at groups, and we use our experiences that we've learned to help people, to understand that there's hope, to understand that, you know, your children or your loved ones are not gone. They're just in a different place, and you just have to learn to speak the language that they speak now. You have to learn to look for the signs. And that's
1: something I think is so key I think for people to realize look for the signs. And a lot of times I think people dismiss the signs they're getting because they're like, oh, it couldn't have been that. It couldn't, it couldn't have been them. And are you sure? Could that really have been? And and it's it's really for you to let people know to say watch for the signs, really pay attention to the signs, because they find whatever ways they can to reach you. And I love how you said earlier how they use the song on the radio when you got into your car, because that is so key. So many times they send songs, they do whatever they can. It's really up to us to really listen to those signs.
3: I mean, you can think of it as a coincidence, but if you continue to always think of it as a coincidence, you are limiting your capability to get communication from them.
1: And I think that's something that for, I, I like how you said you're limiting yourself because a lot of times by dismissing it, you're not trusting yourself And I I look at uh, intuition as, and trusting yourself as like intuition. The more you use it, the more you trust yourself, the more it grows, just like any muscle, just like going to the gym. And the more you trust it and listen to those signs and messages, because I know, breath, you've been receiving messages from your children also. That's something I I know you have been doing. And what I... would um, I know we're running a little short on time, but what I'd like to do is one time we're going to get into more about your communication, the actual communication you've been having to Beth, and, and go through that. Um, and I'd like to know now as you're going through this journey, the shamanic and offering all the different um, healings and the books you have for others, has that communication helped you with even what you feel is needed for people as you go forward?
2: Mm, definitely, you know, because, um, we're just walking and breathing this life that we never intended, you know, and we're trying to make the best of it, but now it's like to actually survive an accident that we shouldn't have, you know, it's just put us in a a spot to say, okay, all right, we will honor this and, you know, we go for, we're going to go forward and do as much as we can.
3: Um, And our kids continue to give us signs. In fact, um, the kids will help me when I do healings, or in some cases, they'll actually present themselves to people that are doing having the healings done, they'll present themselves to them to help them through their healing process. So they work from the other side, in a lot of different ways.
1: And I've got to say, so a lot. So you know, I'm a medium also. And before we started the show, I just got this overwhelming feeling of just how proud they are of both of you. And they make me cry. So how proud they are of both of you and the journey and they, I just keep hearing the journey that you both took and you took it in such, they I just keep hearing eloquence. You took it in such an eloquent way and really helping people. So I really want to honor both of you because we've only got a few more minutes. Do you want to go over like some of the things you offer for a people?
3: Um, sure. I mean, we, we do the individual shamanic healings, which can be very powerful for people. Um, we talk with people and, and help them. Um, we run different types of utilize different types of shamanic techniques. And you mentioned some of them in the beginning. We offer some journeys to help people learn how to connect directly with spirit on their own. Um, we offer a medicine wheel class, which is a class that teaches them shamanic techniques And it's also for their own healing, as well as to give them the tools so that they can learn to communicate directly with spirit and not have to have a middleman. Um, There's a number of other classes that we're going to be offering shortly that will continue to help people uh, with this aspect of learning how to connect with spirit and learning how to utilize shamanic tools in their life.
1: I love that. And for me, I like I said, I have... I have recommended your book. I have sent people to your website before because I really love what you do. And I know you help so many people. And I really encourage people that are listening to check out their information. You can go to WeNeverLeftYou.com and also w y n e dot 99 i believe is what it is (laughs) at facebook (laughs) so make sure to to follow them on facebook make sure to check out their website there's a lot of great information and there's a really i i've actually had some of the experience myself of doing the uh shamanic group healing and some of the other aspects i'm going to be checking into more so Check on, go on, and you can sign up for their Zoom classes. They offer a lot of online information, so anyone, anywhere can have access to their information. And I just want to say I thank both of you for being here. It's been such a pleasure to have both of you on. I appreciate you greatly. And then I also want to let people know that next week on Amazing Soul, we will be talking with Matt Schmidt on quantum healing, healing at the quantum level. So it is going to be a very interesting show working with Matt and all he has to do as he was actually a scientist in the scientific field and how he, he rotated and moved from that going into quantum healing and working with people on their own now. So I just want to say thank you again, Rick and Beth. I appreciate you greatly and i am so happy to have both of you here and sharing your story
3: thank you as well
2: thank you thank you for having us
1: you are welcome and with that i hope all of you will join us next week on amazing soul with matt schmidt have an absolutely
0: amazing day thanks for listening to today's episode of amazing soul We will have another life-changing and inspiring episode next week. Have a beautiful week.